Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning and welcome to Sunday Take for Sunday, February 26, 2023. I'm Blois Olson, your host on News Talk 830 WCCO. Well, the week that was or the blizzard that wasn't. 25 inches turned to 12 to 14 inches, but yet Minnesotans, always obsessed by weather, planned, played, and perplexed at the forecast. Of course, predicting the weather in Minnesota is kind of like playing politics. You never know quite what's going to happen. But the idea that the legislature shut down for two and a half, three days, and that schools shut down and then reopened unexpectedly, when the snow wasn't as great, goes to show that it's just not the Minnesota it used to be. Of course, safety is important and making sure that we keep our kids safe and we don't overburden our bus drivers, especially during these times of shortages in labor and teacher exhaustion. But I just think we need to kind of reflect as a state and think about where we're at. That might be the take this week. The coming week is the budget forecast. It will be bigger. Most likely we'll talk to Tom Hansen and we'll break down kind of now that the legislature has the forecast, what will the budget look like this week on the take? But first, the sustainability message of Minnesota's corn growers. Look, sustainability for farms starts with the land. And if Corn farmers and farmers don't take care of the land, their business and their life is not sustainable. That's why they care as much as anyone about the environment and about the future. And when it comes to the future, think about soil health and soil management for farmers. They've been supporting education efforts, research efforts on soil health for years as part of the corn checkoff. In fact, why does it matter? because the nitrogen in the soil will matter to their productivity, to their crop growth. So corn growers continue to invest in the environment. They continue to monitor soil health and they continue to work to make sure that Minnesota's land is healthy land for growing, for clean water, and to work with the state and work with local governments to ensure that We learn from the past. Look, whether it's fertilizers, whether it's runoff, corn farmers are practicing what's best because 
let's remember, they have to live in the communities where they farm. And no one cares more about the communities than Minnesota's corn farmers. I'm Blois Olson, and that's the Minnesota Corn Sustainability Minute. When we come back, what will the forecast say? What should we watch? And what are the interest groups lobbying for? I'm Blois Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. We're back for the second segment here on Sunday Take. And while I'd usually have a guest, what I wanted to do is kind of go deeper before we talk to Tom Hansen on some of the budget and revenue proposals out there. As we get ready for the forecast, one of the things that has struck me about this session is that there is just layer upon layer upon layer of ideas, new taxes, fees, new spending. For instance, earlier this week, there was a proposal by the Senate, doesn't mean that it's going to go anywhere, but that was free college tuition for all Minnesotans. And well, I think that college and the cost of college and higher ed is one of those issues. The simplified press release or news advisory and headline of free college tuition for everyone mainly people feel good, but it starts to beg the question, how do we pay for it? How do the University of Minnesota and Minnesota State feel about this? What is the future of higher education? What about the cost of current higher education? And how can we lower the cost or make it more efficient? And so uh, with that proposal, it's time to dig in. And there's a lot of third party groups that really follow these issues that I would encourage you to follow. One of them is the Minnesota Center for Fiscal Excellence. It's a more business-driven group. Um, They have uh, briefings that they send out weekly, uh, MCFE, uh, Minnesota Center for Fiscal Excellence, is that group. Uh, And if you just go to fiscalexcellence.org, you can find their information. 
The Minnesota Council of Nonprofits has the Minnesota Budget Project, which follows the budget, the investments, the spending, where it's at. They're a little more liberal of a group. Uh, on Friday, um, a We Make Minnesota group held a news conference with Education Minnesota, some of the most progressive groups um, like Isaiah and others with kind of this uh, this concept of making wealthier people pay more. Wherever you land on the politics of this, I think people, I get a lot of listeners and a lot of readers who ask me for more information. So I'm going to take some things from the Minnesota Center for Fiscal Excellence, kind of bills to watch. Um, here's a couple piece, pieces. So um, marijuana is a key discussion topic this year. And so one of the things is what do you do with the gross receipts tax on adult use cannabis? Uh, and it is an estimated $83 million in fiscal year 25 and $102 million in fiscal years 26 and 27. So it would become legal in uh, 25, 26. They estimate $83 million uh, of revenue, tax revenue that year, $102 million in revenue in the following biennium. Um, and it would go to 16 different state agencies, offices, to deal with substance abuse use, uh, that number would be eight million in twenty four twenty five up to twenty eight million in twenty six twenty seven. So they're already starting to plan what they're going to do with the revenue, and one of the things is substance abuse makes sense, but predetermining kind of how that money is spent. Um, is something that people are going to ask because they, they think it's new money to the state, which it is, but it's new money to the state that they're already deciding where they're going to spend it rather than seeing how much revenue is there and then determining how much revenue you have to spend and what to spend it on. One thing that I think hasn't gotten enough attention this year is a $10 surcharge on every vehicle renewal uh, in Minnesota. Uh, and the distribution of that $10 uh, is to larger cities based on existing road funds received by cities over 5,000. The new surcharge would split 50-50 between larger cities and existing small cities existence fund. So here's a fee that's going to pay for roads, bridges, onto your license tabs. One of the reasons people want to increase this fee is because now that you have electric vehicles, the gas tax is expected to decline in revenue. And so you have to start making up that fee. And then if you dig into the governor's tax proposal, the biggest one that he talked about this week is this child care tax credit. And it's a 50% of employment related dependent care limited to 3,000 for one child, 6,000 for two children and 9,000 for three children on income earners, joint couple, either way, up to $200,000. So you think a family making $200,000, they get a tax credit or a deduction on their taxes up to $9,000 if they have three kids, $3,000 for kids, up to three kids. This is a new, very generous program that's gonna cost a lot of money. And so as you start to look at the way the budget forecast is gonna play into the budgeting for the year you start to you know these are the things you got to watch on now you those are the the items in the latest fiscal 
Minnesota F Center for Fiscal uh, Excellence um, briefing. So one of the other big issues with this forecast is inflation. Obviously, inflationary costs have been a major factor. They're going to stay a major factor for the near term. But now, just this last week, the governor signed a bill that adds inflation to the budget forecast. Previously, it wasn't the case. And so let's just take, I think of energy costs or fuel costs in schools. As those have gone up, schools don't automatically get an inflationary increase. Now, budgeting is probably not gonna be automatically inflated, but the impact on the budget forecast, now inflation will be there. And so uh, we'll watch Monday how they explain that. But it's important to kind of understand that doesn't mean that there's an increase in um, dollars available to those state agencies because the spending uh, is a flatline number that they get. They don't automatically get an increase to deal with inflation. And so we're going to watch that very carefully uh, and do it, uh, especially with inflation so high right now. The other thing is that they've already passed some bills with fiscal impact. Will those be included in the budget forecast? And how will they calculate or would they forecast out revenue that's going to come in for sports get betting, which was announced as a deal this past week? Cannabis announced as a deal this week. The governor does have a higher tax on capital gains. Will that be there? It's usually based on current dynamics. But think about this. We have this surplus. And it's significant. But will these future years generate more revenue? The state budget is enormous and it has grown in a huge way over these last decade. It just seems like we just keep trying to grow it. And I'm not sure that the needs match reality and is it a sustainable model i think there's genuine concern about layering in more programs new funding etc with economic uncertainty in the future minnesota has a major labor problem tom hansen i'm going to ask him about that in the next segment that's good right now because it means that we're collecting a lot of income taxes but if if we kind of have this pressure on labor, we don't have enough workers, can our economy grow at a fast enough rate in the private sector, GDP and other ways to keep up with the proposed spending in state government? I think that's one of the things to continue to kind of look for here uh, as we, you know, as we plan through uh, the budget. Here's a couple pieces where taxes would go down for certain people. One is renters. Renters uh, would have uh, a tax cut um, based on $90,000 of income. Conservation easement, more, more relief for farmers when they put land into conservation. Um, one idea is that 100% of the solid waste management tax would go to an environmental fund. Um, but there's one big 
proposal that um, is uh, hasn't gotten enough attention. And I heard from a few people that this is a pretty big priority for the governor. And this is the Minnesota State Competitiveness Fund. And it's a state fund to create with matching funds needed for broad entities compete in energy market funding um, with the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. $156 million to provide up to 100% match to the federal dollars. Tribal governments, higher education institutes, consumer-owned utilities, businesses, nonprofits, and they get a 50% match on investor-owned utilities like Excel Energy. So we have to spend money to get federal money. And my understanding is that this $156 million could leverage up to $700, $800 million to modernize, uh, make our energy dollars more uh, important. There's also some funding for business competitiveness, recruiting and retaining uh, large employers, uh, and see where we're at there. And then uh, a couple things that are out there just to watch on governance. One is whether or not we're going to have an elected, elected Met Council. They have taxing authority. They have fee authority. Uh, and we'll have to watch that. And then second is what do we do about these nonprofit grants that the seem to be needing of more scrutiny, says the legislative auditor. How many of those will be in the final budget as well? Uh, but absolutely, it these needs are out there. The final need that's probably out there that is probably late, and we're working on this at Fluence, so full disclosure is, paying nursing home workers and care center workers more. The state sets those rates and those providers can't spend more than the state sets the rate on for public uh, in public spending. They need a raise to stay competitive. And that's something that will cost some money, but we'll watch it uh, and go forward. I'm Blaise Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. When we come back, we're going to talk to Tom Hanson. He's a former MMB commissioner. He's got a lot of insight into this forecast and we'll make the most of it. I'm Blaise. We'll be right back. Final guest this week on Sunday Take is Tom Hanson. Tom's a veteran of the Capitol. He's a former commissioner of management and budget. He's now an attorney and uh, government affairs professional at Winthrop and Weinstein, and he joins me now. Thanks for joining me, Tom. Thank you very much for having me, boys. So Monday is budget forecast day. <clears throat> Talk about the reason we have a December forecast and a February forecast and how much can change in between those two forecasts. Sure. The state um, by law has two um, economic forecasts that guide legislators and the governor in the development and implementation of a biennial budget. The first one comes end of November, early December, serves as a guidepost for the governor to develop his recommendations that he submits to the legislature. Then there is a late February forecast, which will happen this coming week, in which the governor gets a final look at um, estimated revenues and expenditures, and then he submits a budget to the legislature. And then the legislature uses the February forecast to develop their um, budgets to submit to the governor. There are pieces of information or tells that you can 
look at between the November and the February forecast. In particular, the Department of Management and Budget, MMB, um, releases revenue collections on the 10th of every month for the previous month. And on February 10th for January, the state uh, um, collected $274 million more than what was estimated in the November forecast. So what MMB does is, and their economists, they look at that and then they extrapolate that out over the budget horizon, um, the two, four-year horizon. And I think that leads you to believe that there's going to be even more money, possibly, I would think, more one-time money in the upcoming forecast next week. You know, we watch kind of macroeconomic trends. Uh, You were budget commissioner during the Great Recession, and we're trying to figure out uh, what this potential recession looks like on the horizon. How much notice did you have when you were budget commissioner about that recession, the scope and the depth of that recession, and any things you're thinking about, maybe not in this forecast, but as we look on the horizon of, of the potential of this, you know, this recession and how deep it could be? For those that don't remember, the Great Recession really hit towards the end of 2008, uh, primarily and into 2009. So it it actually occurred during the 2008 presidential election between Obama and um, Senator McCain. We were seeing um, um, GDP predictions, gross domestic product predictions, lower and um, um, unemployment starting to go up as early as June and July of the summer of 2008. By the time we got to um, November of 2008 and we received the economic data from the um, our forecasters, the national economists, the, the economy was going down so fast that by the time we released the forecast at the end of the month, it was all outdated. Okay. It had, um, it had gone down that fast. There is nothing like that happening now. In fact, you look at Minnesota compared, you read the forecast from November, we have one of the best job markets in the country. And actually, it's a tight job market where we have low unemployment and we don't have enough people. I mean, that's very unusual um, compared to a lot of areas of the country. We have workforce issues uh, around the state, especially in rural areas. So unemployment is not an issue here in Minnesota. And we continue to collect um, mostly income tax. So talk about that. Um, we have income tax, we have sales tax, we have property taxes. Uh, what What is the makeup of the forecast? Where are our, you know, kind of where, we're, where are we sensitive or are, is our revenue fairly balanced as a state? Well, most of our revenue, about 70%, comes from the income tax and the corporate and the sales tax. So income and sale. But when you add the corporate tax and other business taxes, that's about 85% of the revenue that state, the state collects, but it's the sales tax and the income tax that determines kind of the shape of the budget. And right now in the latest, uh, um, on the February 10th revenue collections, the, um, 
business, the uh, corporate tax and the sales tax are down, but it's the income tax that is way up. Um, and what they do with the forecast is they look at how much money we've collected. And then they look at dozens of factors, which I happen to think the gross domestic product GDP is kind of the big one. And then they take a look out two and four years to determine what they think these collections will be. Well, the numbers, you know, the unemployment and the um, GDP numbers from November still seem to be pretty strong. The only thing that they um, will probably have some caution with is um, where the Fed will go with interest rates and how that will impact um, um, taxes collection down the road. My guest is Tom Hansen. He's a former MMB commissioner here in the state of Minnesota. He's now an attorney uh, who's around the Capitol a lot uh, with Winthrop and Weinstein. Tom, um, what do you expect to see this week? And then how will the legislature take those insights uh, and create their budget bills in, in the following weeks? I think that you're going to see more one-time money in the forecast. Right now, the... Um, it's a $17.6 billion um, surplus of which 11.6 billion is one time. And then 6 billion carries forward into the, into the next, into the by next biennium. So I would expect the 11.6 to go up by four or $500 million. So what'll happen is the governor will have more one-time money that he will take a couple of weeks, probably by mid-March, he'll submit a supplemental budget to his biennial budget he submitted in January. And my guess is um, he, some of it may go to uh, back to the rebates um, or some other things that he wants to shore up that people have expressed concerns about over the last two months. Then the legislature really starts to work. And you will see budget targets probably by as early as two weeks from today. Um, and I, I know that the committee chairs in both bodies are working with uh, the, the uh, Senate majority leader and the uh, speaker and leadership to determine what their targets are right now. When, you, um, when you're at the Capitol this session and when you hear conversations about spending, you know, Everyone that I talk to are kind of folks unlike you and I who are in these conversations daily, but they're just average Minnesota citizens. They want to know about Social Security tax cuts. They want to know about rebate checks. They, 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 they want to talk about the populist issues. But there's also just a ton of discussion about spending, new spending, one-time spending in all these buckets. When, when you talk about the targets that the committee chairs will get, um, are you anticipating that those targets are pretty healthy this year? Or do you think leadership and the governor will um, will be very disciplined on the idea of one-time money versus the out-year forecast dollars? Well, they, uh, they will be healthy targets because that's a lot of money. And whether you spend it on more money on the uh, K-12 formula or – expanding uh, medical assistance coverage, or you send it back to um, 
um, taxpayers in the form of a rebate or a tax cut, it still all counts as spending. The, um, I've seen that it's about a 25% increase. I don't know if that's right or not because the one-time money doesn't carry forward into the, um, the out years. So it's all to say that I think you will see healthy spending across the board. Um, in, in the governor's budget. And and he has said they're going to make investments. I think the legislature will probably um, um, take some of his, reba- his rebate and use it to augment some of the spending he's done elsewhere. One of the things the governor touted this past week, and he will continue to tout is tax credits, specifically around child care. Can you just Give us a basic lesson on how tax credits get counted in budgets. Well, tax credits, um, if it's a for child care, counts in the uh, there's a tax aids and expenditures portion of the budget and it rolls through the tax committee jurisdiction in both bodies. And it counts as, you know, when we um, a credit is you know, is um, tax is actually a reduction in the amount of liability you have. And the thing to look at with tax credits that are broad-based is they're very expensive. So if you want to do something for childcare and you want to have it um, apply to a lot of people, well, there's a lot of taxpayers. So the better you want to be, the more it costs and the more it takes money from other things. And it's maybe not so much a next two years. You know, we're doing the 24-25 biennial budget um, now, but it may be more of a 26-27 issue. I think that decision makers are going to have a hard time spending money and not incurring um, liability in 26-27, you know, the ongoing spending. Well, I think that's an interesting dynamic because in this case, the governor's proposed tax credit around child care is for families that make up to $200,000 a year for up to three children. And you start to think about the age of the kids, the number of the children, and you start to project that out. Um, and that seems to be something that would get costly fast for state government. And yes. then my other question is, on tax credits is you have to claim them. Is there any kind of sense of who claims them, who doesn't claim them, um, a percentage of them that go unclaimed, or do largely they get claimed? Well, they largely get claimed, but the Department of Revenue has a group of economists that look at past history uh, uh, on these type of um, credits, as well as what happens in other states, and they make the best determination they can as to whether how much revenue, how much it's going to cost. And that's why we have two forecasts every year because they're not always, nobody is always accurate. You know, you try to get within reason um, with these forecasts and, and sometimes it's really good and sometimes it isn't. And usually when it isn't, it depends on it's because the economy is doing um, unusual things. Last question uh, this morning, Tom. Uh, are there things you think, from your experience, that this legislature, this governor, should try to do or try to avoid here in the final budget that 
we'll, uh, you know, make sure that we're as stable as possible, you know, four, six, eight years down the road? Well, putting on my old MMB hat, you want to make sure that you don't um, spend a lot of money in 24 and 25 that then incurs cost in 26, 27, because you don't know what the economy is going to be then. Um, you don't know the job market. You don't know what inflation will be. You don't know what's going to happen on the world stage. So pressures to spend money now and even categorizing something as one-time spending that then the problem is with one-time spending is people come back and want it again. Right. So it's, you can call it one-time spending, but um, when, when, when there's political pressure, to um, do it again, um, it doesn't really feel like one time. It's kind of like when my kids, I say, here, it's 20 bucks for one time, and they yeah. still come back for 20 bucks, right? So. Yeah, well, and I will, um, yes. <laughs> but I will <laughs> say, and I will say whether it's Democrats or Republicans, um, my experience when I would go to national conferences with, my, with my people in my position in other states, we're a good budgeting state. You know, we... We care about the, the, the two years. I mean, we, we budget on a two-year period. Not every state does. They do right. one year, and then they do the next year. We budget for a two-year period, and we want it to balance, and we want to know what the inflation cost is in the next two years. So we do a four-year horizon. And whether you're a Democrat who likes to, um, you know, probably spend more than a Republican who sends money back, um, it all counts as spending, um, but they all keep track. I don't think it's that. I think we're generally good. Got it, Tom. Thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. Thank you. When we come back, the take this week, are we getting soft with this snow? Even our lawmakers took a few days off. The take is next on Sunday Take. We're back, and this week's take is about the softness of Minnesota. Now, I don't want to sound like a boomer or a Gen Xer who talks about walking uphill both ways without boots, but we have to think about this kind of fear that we keep forecasting and kind of foreshadowing. Of course, we have to be ready for the weather. Of course, we have to make sure that our kids understand the severity of blizzards, but the idea that for days ahead of time, we became obsessed with shutting the state down, shutting the legislature down. It seems kind of like we're always looking for an excuse. Now, my colleague Vanita Sakar now has a work from home horn, which makes a lot of sense. I would say, first and foremost, we are more productive when we don't spend two to three hours in snow, which we may have done just a few years ago. But I think if we're going to have a snow day from school, then let's let the kids play. The online learning, yeah, it matters. And sure, it can check off the boxes. But some of the best memories of kids who grew up in Minnesota are the snow days where they build forts and have snowball fights. It's not about sitting in front of a screen again, for longer, trying to learn, especially with the young ones. You know, I find it fascinating that on these snow days, my 17-year-old and her friends break out the sleds, even at 17. They're not watching the TikToks. They're not 
necessarily even stream in the movies. They try to get outside and enjoy it. And they know what it means. So if we're going to take the time off, then let's make it family time. Let's make it learning time in the way that we learned as kids, not in the way that we're trying to reconstruct school away from school. And frankly, let's not obsess about it. Let's not be totally worried about 25 inches of snow and where it ranks in the top 10. We get snow, we shovel, we move on. That's the Minnesota attitude. That's what it should stay. And that's the way the legislature should look at the budget forecast. Look, the budget forecast is going to show a blizzard of cash for this state this week. Let's use our basic common sense, our basic needs, and spend wisely. Let's not overspend. Let's not hype up the forecast because much of it is one-time money, just like much of the snow was one-time snow. You can't make a fort permanently out of the snow, and you can't make government permanently out of one-time money. And so we should invest where it will pay off. We should cut taxes where it will help our communities. And we should look at the infrastructure of the state. It's aging. We need roads. We need sewers. We need bridges. And as much as Governor Walls has said that a workplace, an attractive place to raise a family will attract the workers we need, so will infrastructure. So will great schools. So let's look at it in those ways, across the state, the whole state. Let's make sure our rural economies have what they need. Let's make sure there's jobs in greater Minnesota and in the Twin Cities. And let's use this surplus to invest. Because if we invest, there will be return, not ongoing expenses. That's the take this week. I'm Blois Olson. When it's Sunday at 9, it's Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.